Again, it's such a privilege to have you be with me as we enter into our third session of praying through the heart of God. Again, this is so important, and I know that you can sense the anointing on these sessions. I tell you, like I said in our prior session, man, I just felt like getting up and running around the room because the glory was so, was so strong. The heart of God's so strong. <clears throat> Again, the key to receiving from Jesus is Jesus. You know, Matthew 14, when Peter was walking on the water, it was all about Jesus. He was walking on the word of the master that simply said, come, walk on the water. And as his eyes were on Jesus, the natural, that was, it was so impossible, became possible. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus, wow, he began to sink. And the devil's greatest strategy is to get you and I to take our eyes off of him. Whether it's through the cares of this life. You know, our, our finances might be giving us difficulty. One of our children might be struggling in an area that's affecting us. You know, maybe someone, our churches, man, even split, you know, because uh, some things that aren't right. All kind of things going on. And we get our eyes off of Jesus. I want to share my heart with you. I really believe the key to someone who really walks in the truth of sonship. Because our goal is to walk as Jesus walked. Through the grace given us. By his own sacrifice. Obviously we can't walk it through our own strength, our own worthiness. But life is a gift. And the thing that really. When I disciple someone, what I'm after is not them to get to be able to share the four spiritual laws in an effective manner, although that's good. It's not to get them to, to have regular church attendance, although that's good. It's not to get them, you know, to, to tithe and give offerings, although that's good. The whole key is to get them so elated, so amazed at the heart of God that they will not only fall in love with Jesus, but appreciate Jesus, walk in the light of his glory and grace, enter into a place that daily they can't help but get on their knees and just worship. There's a song that you probably have heard of every time I hear his name. Every time I, call, I hear him calling. Every time he speaks my name. I, I, I can't help but fall upon my knees. You know, when I hear his voice, it does something to me. It does something that nobody else's voice in the world can do. My, the voice of my wife, I run to. The voice of my children, yes, I run to. But I want to tell you something. There's something about the voice of God. Intrinsic to it is a glory that's just, it's unfathomable. It's so magnificent, so precious, so amazing that I can't help but fall on my knees. You see, serving God isn't to be an obligation. It's to be a privilege. Walking with Jesus is not trying to enter into doing enough good works that it warrants eternal life. Because eternal life is Jesus. My greatest prayer for you now as you enter into this third session, as never before, is that you will be so amazed, so enthralled, so honestly just over the top because of who he is. That you wouldn't have to struggle to go to church. You will run the church where the presence of God is. You will run to the quiet place. You will run to the word of God. You will be so enthralled with him. Even in the time of trial, you will worship him.
for the glory of his grace that sustains you and for the privilege to show him your love. Again, the greatest thing about Jesus, the greatest thing about being a Christian is Jesus. The greatest thing about being born again is the Father's heart of God. The Father heart of God. The greatest thing about life is having the spirit of life inside you. I, I cannot emphasize this enough. We need to disciple in the context of his heart. You're called by his virtue and glory. You're called to his virtue and glory. So why don't we disciple in his virtue and glory? We need to be amazed by him every day. His mercies are new every day. His glory is new every day. You know, there's a few times I've caught a literal glimpse of Jesus just in, in, in his glory. I mean in a profound fashion. I, I tell you, you know, when you get to heaven, you're going to be so amazed by his glory. I mean, for the first 100,000 years, you're just going to look with your mouth open and go, whoa. They, they might say, you know what? There's this amazing food over here in this, you know, heavenly dining room. There's this over here. And you're going to say, you know what? I'm just going to take my time. Get back to me in 100,000 years. I, I, I just got to look at him. Ooh, I said, I just got to look at him. I just got to partake of his presence. That's what heaven is. I get someone asked me, is heaven going to be boring? And I'm, I'm thinking, if Jesus is boring to you down here, I, I, not, heaven is Jesus. Heaven is here. Eternal life is now. Eternal life is knowing him. I got to say it one more time. A real Christian is someone that's so enthralled with the, the glory of God that it causes them to lay down their lives for him. It causes them to worship him for the privilege to be with him. It causes them to tell others about him. It causes them to be filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. This is why we're doing this series. I, I, I know how to receive from God. You hear all these formulas and this and that and this and that. And, and I get it. But I'm going to tell you something. The greatest formula. It's not a formula. It's beholding the lamb. It's eating of the lamb. And living for the lamb. That you've eaten of. John 6.57 Glory to God. All right, well, that is a prerequisite to what we're going to do today. Again, we're going to look at some things inside the heart of God. It's entitled the heart of zeal. That's one of the things we're going to look at through the name Yahweh Sabbath. I told you I was going to get into this in our prior session. But let, let's look at some things intrinsic to really seeing the heart of God. All right, to do that, let's go to Romans 8. And let's start out with, uh, with, with verse 1. You know, I, I say this all the time, but Romans 7, it depicts the man that is unsaved, who is trying to keep the law, but can't, cannot. Who actually is an enemy of God, because instead of crying out for grace unto salvation, he uh, continues to try to keep the law himself. Mm. My goodness. Cain brought a sacrifice of his own strength. Seth brought a sacrifice of grace by the blood. You know, Cain killed Seth because he was jealous of him and because he didn't want to enter into that. Romans 7 is the spirit of Cain. It tries, but it can't please God. Romans 8 is the spirit of Seth. Romans 8 really is the heart of God towards you. Glory to Jesus. All right, let's start out in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which were in Christ Jesus, 
who walk not after the flesh, but after the Holy Spirit. There, right there, we see virtue. God, it, God is not a condemnation. You know, when the woman was caught in adultery, the Bible says in the very act, they were going to stone her and kill her. Why? Because they didn't know the heart of God. And Jesus came. He wrote in the dirt. I believe he wrote the sins of the people that were going to stone her and kill her. I believe many of them had slept with this lady. And they're projecting their sin upon her to get released from it. But they all walked away one by one. There was, and he said, woman, is, is, where are your accusers? Is there someone here to condemn you? She said, no, Lord. But there was one that was there that could have condemned her. And that was Jesus, because he was perfect. He said, he is without sin. Can you throw the first stone? But there was one without sin. It was him. But he chose not to condemn her. God is not a, condemn, a God of condemnation. He's a God of forgiveness. But I'll tell you this. If you walk in the flesh and choose the flesh, you will be condemned. Because you did not partake. Last session was all about partaking. 2 Peter 1.4 of the virtue of God. Because they didn't partake of his forgiveness. Mm, Jesus. But it says in, in verse 1 again, who walked not after flesh, but after the Holy Spirit. In verse 2 it says, for the law, listen to this, of the spirit of life. We said virtue, glory, the heart of God is the life of God. The virtue of God, intrinsic to heart is life. The heart of God, the virtue of God, the glory of God, the life of God are all synonymous. The Holy Spirit inside of you is the spirit of life. You see, it is so amazing. It's the law. He said, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. What's the law of sin and death? It's falling short of the glory of God. It's exchanging the glory of God. Instead of being enthralled with the virtue of God, someone who makes a choice to be enthralled with power, contrary to God, with even harming others to get some cheap thrill, one that chooses death, the virtue of the enemy, lying and stealing, sexual sin. But see, the law of the spirit of life is greater than law of sin and death. See, Romans 7, man, it's like Cain. The, the, the person wasn't born again. And they're trying, you know, to keep the law. And then they always gravitate towards the flesh, towards evil. But God, you're born again. Most of you listening to my voice are born again. Glory to God. You're not under the law of sin and death. You're under the law of the spirit of life. The spirit of God that dwelt above the holy of holies in the ark, uh, above the ark, in the ark of the covenant. Man, only once a year could the high priest for that year go into the holy of holies because of the amazing power, holiness of the Holy Spirit. He's not called the Holy Spirit. For, he's called the Holy Spirit because of his ultra infinite holiness. And man, if you weren't living right, man, it, 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 man, they had a rope tied to your ankle. They had bells around you. And if the bells stopped ringing, they knew that you died. They dragged you out. And they, and they said, next. And the guy next in line, he went in. You can imagine he's probably praying for the first guy to make it. You know what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit is in you. Why is, that, why is that so incredible? Why is that part of this teaching the heart of God? You see, you can't separate the Spirit of God in you from the heart of the Father, from the heart of Jesus. They are one, Trinity, Elohim. The Holy Spirit is in you. Why is he in you? You have to, is he in you to hitchhike a wath, uh, uh, you know, ride through life? Why is he in you? He is in you to manifest the heart of God to you. 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2nd chapter, he's in you to reveal unto you the glory of his heart. So you can partake of it. You see, Jesus said you must be born again so you can see the kingdom. What's the kingdom? The kingdom is all about the king of the kingdom. So Jesus said, you got to be born again to see the kingdom, John 3, 3. John 3, 5, you got to be born again so you can enter into the kingdom. You can't enter into what you don't see. So the Spirit of God is in you to give you the, the revelation. He's called the Spirit of Revelations in Ephesians 1, 16. He's in you to cause you to see the virtue of the heart of God. And then he's in you. To cause the virtue that you see to be partaken of you by you by faith. He's in you. See, he's the author and perfecter of your faith. So he's in you, right? Here's, here's what's amazing. The Spirit of God causes you to be born again. Just like he overshadowed Mary causing Jesus to be in her, he overshadows you and causes man the, 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 you as a being of evil, the evil to leave, and you in the DNA of God to come into you, the image of the living God. Then the same Holy Spirit causes you to see the virtue, the glory of God. Then he causes you to, and the, the, he cultivates your faith through the name of Jesus, through all oh, glory to God, so you can partake of him. And then when you're able to partake, glory to God, through, through the, uh, the, the voice, hallelujah, of your heart, that brings forth your heart, then he manifests. So he does four things. He causes you to be born again. He causes you to see the, the, the heart of the king. Then he causes you to have faith to partake of the king. And then he enables that when you partake of the king through faith, by the words of your mouth, he's the one that confirms it and brings it to pass. Wow. Glory to God. Glory to God. You see, but it's all about the heart of God. The spirit of God. It's the spirit of life. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let's continue to look in Romans 8, verse 5. They that are of the flesh, they do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are that after the Holy Spirit, the things of the Holy Spirit. Those are the flesh. They're, they're always talking about religious stuff, serving on a committee, what we can do to, you know, to, oh, man, to, Oh, it's all about religious stuff. But the, those are saved. Their minds on the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, give me more revelation. Holy Spirit, uh, work in me to glorify Jesus. Lord, Holy Spirit, uh, cause me to know you and have koinonia with you. So different than a religious person in the flesh. Then it says the mindset on the flesh is death. But the mindset on the Holy Spirit, the spirit of life, it's life and peace. Why? Because what you look at, who you look at, what you look at is what you're going to become. Man, is your, if your focus is, is on icons, if your focus is on some dogma, if your focus is on being religious, if your focus is on being man, having a position in a church, Rather than being on the heart of God, then you're going to become religious. And I'm going to tell you something. The religious man is an enmity with God. It goes on to say, the religious man, the one of the flesh, he's an enemy of God. Why? Because he's of the spirit of Cain. But the one whose mind is on the spirit, man, that's why praying in the spirit is so important. Man, I'll be honest with you, when I have a, a, an hour or two hour drive, my mind is on the Father heart of God. My mind is on the awesomeness of the love of Jesus. My mind is on the Spirit of God, the Spirit of life, the Spirit of grace, koinonia with Him. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. And it says in verse 9, again, that those who are in the flesh are in enmity with God, but those who are in the Spirit, if it be that the Spirit of God dwells in you, because if any man not have the Spirit of a cross, he's none of his. But if the Spirit of God's in you, he's the one that raised Jesus from the dead. 
He's the one that anointed Jesus. Jesus, according to Philippians 2, divested himself of his deity. And he lived through the Spirit of God. And because Jesus entered into perfection, the same Spirit of God that he lived through is now in us. Because we've been given the righteousness of Jesus, it's been gifted to us because of the perfection of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the Spirit of God's in us. You've got to see that. See, again, we take for granted things that we have. We minimize things that we have. We say, yeah, I know I'm a Christian, the Spirit of God's in me. No, it's I'm a Christian. The Spirit of the living God is in me. Wow. Wow. See, this is how we pray through the heart of God. The Spirit of God is the heart of God. You can't separate the heart of the Father from the heart of the Son, from the Holy Spirit who's in you. Again, he's in you to manifest the virtue, the glory, the heart of God to you. Glory to Jesus. Let, let me just say this before we go on to, uh, to, to, to something else. You know, you can struggle with something for years. Just like Zerubbabel in the book of Zechariah. And you can get disillusioned. And you can struggle and struggle and struggle. Here's the key. Enter into the spirit of life. If you're in struggle, you're in the spirit of, uh, uh, really, uh, the spirit of death. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus separated us from the law of death. Say, Lord, Holy Spirit, <clears throat> grace me. Cause me to be free. Cause me to see what I need to see. So I can be who I need to be. Because you see, you'll never be what you're called to be unless you see it first. Man, e e Elisha said to Elijah, I want a double portion of your spirit. He said, if you see it, you can have it. You can only see it through the Spirit of God in you. But what you see, he will cause it to be. That's why Ephesians 1, 16 to 23 is so important. You need to pray it every day for time's sake. We don't have to get into it right now. But you need to see it through. These are prayers through the, that the Spirit of God gives us. Ephesians 1, 16 to 23 and 3, 14 to 20. It causes you to see the heart of God. Mm, the love of God. All right. Oh, Jesus, there's so much here. This session is going to be broken down into four parts. That, that, that's the first part of it. The second part, just like the Holy Spirit is crying out to see him for who he is in you. He is your God. He's your life. He's the one that cries out night and day to the Father for you. Can I share this one thing? I've shared it before, but it's so uh, powerful. My wife, we had two children at the time. I was teaching high school, and I was, I was teaching at the high school, and she had uh, with our two little kids and our children in a little trailer in central Pennsylvania. Spirit of God, the spirit of life in her came, just rose up within her. She put the kids down. She had such a burden. <clears throat> she started praying in other tongues. According to Romans 8.26, the Spirit gives you utterance. You don't know how to pray. You don't even know what to pray for. And she began to scream in other tongues. I mean, the Spirit of God was, was trying to pray something through her and just took her over. The Spirit of God prayed through her. And that prayer touched the heart of the Father. And through Jesus Christ, an amazing thing happened. So she prayed in, in other tongues in just a very profound fashion. And right now when she was done, she got a release. She was done. That the prayer got through to the Father. And a lady calls her from our church at that time. And some of the God church. And she said, 
my son just called me. I haven't seen him. I believe it, for, it was almost for 40 years. She would pray for him at the evening service every Sunday night. He called me finally after 40 years. He left when he was 16. Now he's 56. This lady was like 78. But he said, Mom, I, I, I just slipped my, my wrist. And I'm dying. But I want to let you know that I'm sorry. And then he hung up. She called my wife. She, she, she called Kathy and she said, I need prayer. Kathy said, I just got done praying for him. I just got done praying for him. It was the Holy Ghost that prayed through her. He slit his list. He, he slit his wrist, but he did not die. He came to Jesus, was reunited with his mom. Oh, what a treasure we have. God, not just with us, but in us. See, that's the heart of God. He wants intimacy, intimacy, intimacy is his cry. He wants intimacy so much. He wants us to overcome to such a degree that he's placed the very spirit within us so we can enter into that intimacy. The reality of relationship with him. That oneness with him. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. It's the heart of God. It's the desire of the heart of God. Oh Jesus. How we need to worship. We need to worship God. For his indwelling presence. Alright next is the word of God. Now you probably hear to say. I've heard so much about the word of God. I know in the beginning it was the word. The word was with God. The word became flesh. You know the scriptures. But you don't know what I'm going to share with you. See, that's our problem. We know, but we think, we think because we know in part, we know in fullness. What are my pet peeves? Someone says, I know, I know, I know. And it's like, if you know, then how come you're not doing the works of God? If you know, how come you're struggling with forgiveness? If you know, how come you're walking in familiar sin? If you know. Yeah, you know in part. But let's enter into meat. So we can enter in, not just a 30-fold, but a 1,600-fold. I want you to see something. Yes, in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Oh, what a scripture. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God. In John 1, 14, the Word became flesh. Jesus is called the Word of God. Revelation. Here's the, the word of God is written on his forehead. You cannot separate the word of God, the Bible that you have. Most of us have about 10 Bibles in our houses. But some people in China and other nations, they don't have any Bible. Might be one Bible for a thousand people. Listen to what I'm going to say. You cannot separate the Word of God, the Bible, from Jesus. The Word of God is the heart of God. The Word of God is the heart of God. You know, I'm amazed. You know, some people can, you know, if they're into antiques, they can look at an antique and, I mean, just... Look at it for 10 hours. If somebody's a connoisseur of art, man, you know, they can look at a, <clears throat> a painting, whether it's by Da Vinci or Rembrandt or whoever. And man, they could go back day after day. They're just amazed by it. And, and man, it might be worth $50 million. One painting. Because, see, of, of what they see in it, of, of that which is intrinsic to it. Somebody can watch in a sporting event and a man, their eyes are glued. But then, when it comes to the Word of God, it's an obligation. We get in it, it's like, how much do I have to be in it and still be a Christian? I'm going to tell you something. If you're a Christian, this Word, this Word, and you should be inseparable. It should be in your heart, in your mind, in your emotions, in your body. It should be on the doorpost, glory to God, of your house, on your refrigerator. It should be in your car, glory to God. I take it to the barbershop. I take it everywhere I go. 
Someone says, why do you take the Bible everywhere you go? Well, I take it for a witness. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I, I, it's my life. I'm not ashamed of it. <clears throat> Glory to Jesus. Ah. See, if you see the word of God as a rule book. Man, I, I was with a guy as a professor of religion at a well-known Christian college. And he, he said, I, I, I hate to get in the word of God. I said, what? You teach the Bible at this college, Christian college. He said, I said, why do you say this? Because I said, it's like a rule book that condemns me. I said, no, man, it's the heart of God revealed to you. It's the mirror of the heart of God. It changed him. I mean, it changed him. Someone says, I want to see the heart of God. <clears throat> Someone says, I want to see Jesus. Here it is. Here he is. Oh, Jesus. Now listen to me. What I'm going to, what we're going to enter into teaching was now. Someone says, I want faith. I'm going to show you how to get it. Someone says, I want love. Someone says, I want healing. I, I, I want to, to, you know, to enter into being a vehicle, winning souls through conviction. I, I, I want to enter in to overcoming familiar sin. Listen to me right now. It's through the word of God. You see, it's through the word of God and the spirit of God. The, the spirit of God wrote this book. It was not written by men. It was written by the Spirit of God. He used men to write it. I mean, if I write a letter, I might use a pen. But I'm the one writing the letter. The Holy Spirit used men as a pen, but he wrote it. All right, someone says, I need faith. I need faith. All right, let's go with the Romans 10, 17. Now, well, let's first go to Romans 12, 3. Someone says, I need faith. All right. Well, the Bible says, glory to Jesus, that God, in Romans 12, 3, God has dealt to every man that's born again the measure of faith. Ooh, hallelujah. Now, now listen to me. Oh, listen to me. The word of God coupled with the Holy Ghost is like nitroglycerin. It will blow up familiar sin. It will cause earthquakes of the miraculous. It will cause you to enter in to being conformed to the image of Jesus. See, what you look at, you will become. If you look at pornographic material over and over again, you'll become perverted. If you look into this book, you're going to become conformed to the image of Jesus. Be transformed. By the renewing of your mind, do not be conformed to the image of the world. Man, if you're playing songs that are, that are, are, are ungodly, watching TV that's ungodly, listening to news that's ungodly, being with people that's ungodly, you'll become like them. But be not conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind through this book. Mm, Jesus. So I read Romans 12, 3. I've got a measure of the faith of God. I read Galatians 2, 20. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. I've been crucified with Christ. No longer me who lives, but Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Woo! So you put these two scriptures together, and now, the Holy Ghost <clears throat> burns them in me. He burns these scriptures in me. He causes this faith to now be cultivated unto the faith of Jesus. Growing more exceedingly day by day. So how do you get faith? Through the word. It's the word of faith, the Bible says. See what you read. The entrance of his word gives light. What's that light cause you to see? The heart of God. Again, we're praying through the heart of God. We're teaching how to live through the heart of God. This book is the heart of God. So as I enter in to this book, I enter into seeing. It's in the heart of God for his faith to be in me. That's why the blood was shed. So through the new birth, 
the faith of God is in me. And as I get into this book, that faith is cultivated under maturity. Even under the works that Jesus did. Every verse on faith is like a fire that causes you to see the heart of the king of the kingdom. So the heart of the king can become your heart. Because the king of the kingdom is your father. And his greatest desire is you to be conformed through the blood of his son, by the power of his spirit, through his word, to be conformed to his image. Glory to God. Oh, I just, I know I need to get in the word. Yeah, I, I tried that, but it's not for me. I'm going to tell you something. You curse that demon that causes you to say that. And you say, I've been born of the word. I have the faith of God through the word. And every time I'm in it, I see Jesus. I see the heart of my father. I see who he is to me. I see the greater one in me. And who I see, I become like. What I see, I become. <clears throat> Glory to God. Let's look at this. Someone's struggling with familiar sin. The Bible says in Jeremiah 23, 29, his words is fire. It's there to burn up familiar sin. How can a young man keep his way word? Keep his, uh, enter into purity through the word. And I, I've worked with people that struggle with pornography. What's the key? It's the spirit and the word together, not your glycerin. When it combines, it burns up. False needs for pornography burns up the lies of pornography, burns up the passion for pornography. Not only that, it's a double-edged sword. It replaces the pornography with the purity of Jesus Christ. Woo! Glory to God. I, I, I mean, I, I, I was at a funeral. I ran into a young man. I, I went to uh, honor a guy that my dad worked with in the steel mill in East Pittsburgh, Bloodox. A guy that I went to high school was there. And he just said, what's with you? I said, well, I don't know. I said, become a Christian. He said, when I'm around you, I just get convicted of my sin. Why is that? You see, because the image is in me. The fire's in me. The glory's in me. And it emanates. Oh, glory to God. There's so much here. So much here, I have to continue. Oh, Jesus. You, you say, I, I want to win souls. Paul persuaded people, according to the book of Acts. You want to win souls? It's through the Holy Ghost. The Bible says he's given, John 16, 7, 11. See, you read that. He's come to convict the world of sin because they don't know him, even though they're religious. Of righteousness, they don't know what's right and wrong. Isaiah 5, and in the days we're living, man, right is like, looks like wrong to them, and wrong looks like right. And of judgment, because the ruler of this world, even their father, the devil, has been judged, and they will enter into hell just like him. Because he wanted his truth to be truth, my truth, rather than the truth of God, eating of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. And see what happens is you enter into being a vehicle of conviction. Why? Because the word of God makes you an individual of conviction. When you speak, the Holy Ghost bears witness with your spirit and the words coming out of your mouth are his words. 1 Peter 4, 11, if a man speaks, let him speak as though God was speaking. Whoa! Well, it doesn't mean you're God. It means that the grace of God, the heart of God, you're so one with the heart of God, the heart of God gets inside of your heart and you're speaking with the same conviction. You're speaking with his voice. See, that's ultimate grace, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not about you, it's about him in you. It's not about your righteousness, it's about the gift of righteousness given you. 
It's not about your faith. It's about his faith in you. Wow. You take someone like Charles Finney, the prince of evangelists. He walked in the factory in upstate New York. Just walked through it. And, I mean, people just fell down left and right crying, accepting Jesus. Why? Because he read the word of God. And the heart of God got into his heart, into his mind, into his emotions, into his voice, into his being. And it emanated the conviction of God. There's so much we can enter into. Let's look into two more. The Bible says in John 8.32 that the truth will set you free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I mean, glory to God. <clears throat> I was with a, a young man a while ago. Uh, <clears throat> he had uh, come up from Texas. He was visiting his sister. And he was struggling with cocaine to the point that he was dying he had accepted Jesus, but he never entered into really seeing the heart of God and learning how to partake of it. He had just gone on a binge and the doctor said he could die because his heart, he was only, I think he was 29 years old. He said, you got the heart of an 80-year-old man. Because, I mean, he was so, he had shot up all his veins. He had no veins in his arms or his legs. I mean, he had shot up every vein in his body. What do you do with someone like that? You share the heart of God. I told him it's in the heart of God for you to be free. And it's in God's heart for you to be free. Just like that young man that my wife prayed for in the spirit that slit his wrists but did not die but accepted Jesus and reunited with his mom. I said it's in the heart of God. He said what's in the heart of God? The love of God. He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. The love of God for you is in his heart. The power of God necessary for you to be delivered is in his heart. He doesn't send an angel to deliver you and me or to heal us. He manifests his heart to the Spirit of God. So I said, let's do this. I talked to him about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Pray in other tongues, just like Jesus talked to his disciples. Just like Paul talked to the, in Acts 19, to the disciples after accepting Christ. And I said, the spirit of life is in you. Yes, said, you're a believer, but man, there's something in the context of sanctification. Where the, you know, you're, you're in the, the spirit of God, you're one with him, but he just wants you to immerse, get immersed in the Holy Ghost. And I said, man, the life of God, the love of God, the power of God is going to come through you and you're going to start speaking in tongues and there's going to be deliverance. He said, I don't understand all that. But he said, but I want it. Well, we begin to pray. And he, he just got up abruptly. And I thought that, he, you know, he didn't like what was going on. So I said, you know, I'm sorry. Maybe we went too fast for you. It was him, his brother-in-law, and myself. I, I said, maybe I should have just talked more before we laid hands on you. He said, oh, no, oh, no. He said, I start praying in those tongues. I don't understand what I'm saying. But he said, look at my arms. Look at my arms. He had rolled up his sleeves and I said, what's up with your arms? He said, you don't understand. I don't have any veins. I shut them up. Look at my legs. I said, okay. I got a set of, I got a brand new set of veins. I got a brand new set of, in my arms, I got a brand new set of veins in my legs. Someone says, wow, that miracle's awesome. But see, what I got to get you to see is this. That's not the ultimate miracle. The miracle is the heart of God that brought that manifestation. See, if you think that's the miracle, you can walk away and say, wow, I got a miracle. But it's only when you see the heart of God that brought the miracle that you're going to get in the relationship, the one who caused the miracle. Man, there were 10 lepers. Nine of them left and didn't even turn back to Jesus except one. Because the one saw the heart of God that produced the healing of the leprosy. See, the miracle is in the heart of God. It's not in the formula. 
It's in the heart of God. That's what we're talking about, praying through his heart. Praying through his heart. Glory to Jesus, glory to Jesus, glory to Jesus. I could share so many testimonies in that end. See, when I pray for someone with four-stage cancer, leukemia, or in a wheelchair, deaf, blind, I don't just say, quote these verses and it'll come. I say, let's look at the verses. Let's look, let's look at the Word of God and see. Here's what I always tell them. The Word of God is not just quoting the verses. It's seeing that the Word of God and the heart of God are one. It's seeing the heart of God. The entrance of His Word giveth light, gives light to see the King of the Kingdom, the, your Father. It makes all the difference. And we begin to see the straps that were shed, that were taken, the blood that was shed because of the heart of love. We begin to see the heart of God and the virtue within him needing to be in you. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am healing. Someone says, how do you know that it's God's will to heal? Because it's who he is. See, when someone's backslidden, the worst thinking you can do is say, you know what? You just got to get back. You got to get back. You got to get back. You know what you need to tell them? You need to share with them. Let's, he probably knows that. Let's look at the prodigal son. Did you notice when that son was in the, the pigsty? The father was still looking for him. Every day he was looking for him, weeping. You take him to John 11 and say, this is Jesus. Jesus wept. You say, see the heart of the father. See his heart towards you. That's what causes the backslidden to come back. It's the goodness of God that leads one to repentance. Whether under salvation or coming back to God. We do it so wrong. Let's let them see the Father's heart. You know, years ago, 1982, my wife and I started a pregnancy center. Now I think there's four of them. And, you know, a lot of counselors and a whole deal. And I would always, when we started the center, I, I would teach the counselors. Now we have a, a director that does all that. But I said, you know what? When someone's doubting, I, first of all, I said, let's get them to see the sonogram. Let's get them to see the baby. See, in Pennsylvania at least, before you have an abortion, you have to see the baby inside you. And the picture's worth a thousand words. So we have a, a sonogram machine, and the picture comes up on a 52-inch screen. They see the baby. And I said, if, you know, and that's how we get 90% of our saves. It's not by saying it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. They can't even see. They don't even know what wrong is. But when they see the baby, and I say, and if they begin to doubt and start thinking of abortion again, I said, call them back in, show them the sonogram again. When you're struggling, look at the sonogram. Look at the sonogram of God's heart. A sonogram causes you to in see inside of one's body what's going on with that baby. When you look into God's heart by the Spirit of God, that's when you're going to have a relationship with Jesus. That's when the prodigal is going to come back. That's when, man, if you're listening to my voice now, that's what's going to cause you to come back. That's what's going to cause one to come to salvation. Look at his heart. Look at his heart. Look at his heart. Oh, Jesus. All right. One more variable in, in, in this context. And then we'll go to our last two quickly. Intimacy with God. To enter into intimacy with God, you have to see God's need for intimacy with you. You've got to see that you qualify. You've got to see he needs your heart 
to be one with his. I never forget when I was newly saved, we were sharing the gospel on the street. And there's a couple young men with me who just got saved. And there's a pastor, assistant pastor helping us share. And one of the guys, we all had dramatic, you know, salvation experiences. But as we're walking back, the one guy said to me, a friend of mine, I just don't think God loves me as much as he loves you guys. I said, what would you say? And he said, well, it's just the way I feel. And may not come from the wrong side of the tracks. I said, so did I. But he secluded himself and he stopped walking with Jesus. How do you enter into intimacy with God? Is by being good for 30 days so you warrant intimacy? Is it through a formula? Even reading these many verses, that can be a help. No, it's through seeing the heart of God. Do you see his need for intimacy with you? Do you see you're the apple of his eye? Do you see that he needs intimacy with you right now on the earth as much as he needed intimacy with Jesus when Jesus was on the earth? Even as you, he loves you equally. Because of grace. Not that you're Jesus, but because of the grace of God. Intimacy with God comes from seeing the heart of God. Philippians 3.10, Paul said, I've given up everything and suffered so much that I might know him. The word of God causes you to know him. The word gets into the mind of your spirit. Religion gets into this thing, mental under mental ascent. But the word of God gets into the mind of your spirit and to knowing that you know that you know. Jesus, it causes you to see the need of the Father's heart. The need of him to hear your voice. I love to hear the voice of my wife. I love to hear the voice of my children. I love to hear the voice of my grandchildren. God runs to the sound of your voice. Oh, Jesus, intimacy, the key, is not trying harder to get accepted. The key is seeing his heart, that you are accepted, and his need for your intimacy. The need to express his love to you. The need within him to express his glory to you. That's what transfiguration was all about. We'll be looking to that in a later session. Ah, right, let's go to number three. I said we're going to four parts. We're going to have to go quick on the last two. The voice of God. I've shared this in part, but there's nothing like the voice of God. It's unlike anything else. And I said God runs to the sound of your voice. How much more? Do we run to the sound of his voice? The Bible says in, in John 10 that, that his children that, that know his voice. Oh, his voice is amazing. I, I can't put it into, I can't describe it. It's peace. It's joy. It's love. It's glory, magnificence, direction. It's everything in one. And his presence. See, again, we need to magnify the Lord. You say, Hi, why are you getting so excited? Why are, you, why are you starting to yell? Well, Jesus said with a loud voice, the Lazarus come forth. I'm speaking to you loudly so you can come forth and be who you are. We need to magnify the Lord. Oh, magnify Psalm 34, the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. His name is his virtue. His name is, is what's in his heart. Let us exalt his name together. Woo! Let us exalt the privilege, the, 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 oh my God, to be in his presence. To be in the presence of the king, creator God, the omnipotent one, omniscient one, omnipresent one. So we can experience him. So we can partake of him. So we can become like him. But so we can worship him. So we can worship him. 
as he alone is worthy of worship. Oh, my. Let's not be like King Saul. Everything looked okay. But the Ark of the Covenant wasn't there. The first thing that happened when David became king, he said, I need the Shekinah glory. I need the presence of God. I need to commune with the one above the ark. The Bible says he will restore, in the book of Amos, he will restore the tabernacle of David. Those who are passionate about the presence. Glory to God. Oh my. The last part is the name of Yahweh Sehabath. The name Sehabath means God, the Lord of hosts, the God, the, the, the God of angel armies. But even before that, it means the one who has a need to militantly fight and destroy and disarm anything that would harm you. One of the words that makes up the name of Yahweh Sehabath is the Hebrew word, and of course Sehabath is a Hebrew word, is the, is the word kenna, Q-U-E-N-N-A. It's jealousy. It's zealousness. See, when, when this is called praying through the heart, through God's heart, the key to answered prayer. Man, when you're hurting, Man, you've been betrayed and, and you need hope. You're sick and man, it doesn't seem to be no, there is no way out in the natural. You've, over, you've, been, you've been succumbing to us, familiar sin again. What's the provision? It's the heart of God. Seeing his need to meet your need. We see it's how he meets your need. You know, in John chapter 2, well, let's go there. You see it in John 2 and Mark 11. You see it at the heart of the ministry of Jesus. At the start of the, at the, start of the ministry of Jesus. I said the heart of the ministry of Jesus. Because everything in my mind is about the heart of God. You see it at the start of his ministry. And then you see it at the end of his ministry. In John 2, he's starting out in ministry. And this is what he does. In John 2... At the Passover, man, it was like the biggest day of the year in the context of the people making money off of Passover. See, people couldn't bring their oxen for a hundred miles, so they bought the oxen at the synagogue. And these guys were raking in, I mean, probably if you put it in today's economy, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And uh, so Jesus comes, verse 14, John 2, 14, it's very similar in Mark 11. He found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money. I mean, they had armed guards there. We're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars being, you know, transferred. Again, in, our, in, in the context of our, today's economy. And he poured out the changers' money. Overthrew the tables. He made a score, a small scourge. He took his life in his hand. Seriously. Anybody that would have came near the money bin would have been killed by the armed guards. They were the temple guards. Rome had guards. But they had guards as well. The high priest had guards to protect the money. And Jesus, why did he do this? Well, the answer is in verse 16. He said, take these things hence. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise. Wow. See, it was to be a house of prayer, a house of the presence, a house of his voice, a house of glory, a house of the miraculous, a house of his heart. And they made it a house of merchandise. That'll preach, unfortunately, in today's church. And his disciples, remember, were in John 2, 17. 
The zeal of thy house has eaten me up. Here's what I want to get across to you. When you're in need, man, when, when I'm with somebody that's in a wheelchair and they're paralyzed, man, and there's no way out. Somebody with four-stage cancer. There's only one provision for them. And that's the zeal. The jealous zeal. The need of Sabbath. If something's caused by a spirit, maybe it's a demon of deafness. There's, there's, there's deafness maybe caused by an accident. Then there can be a demon of deafness that actually causes someone not to hear. I'm going to tell you something. As I meditate on, on the heart of God, I, I can tell you there's different times I've spoke to demons by the grace of God. Not me, but him through me. Man, in the natural, I, I'm not strong. But through the Holy Ghost, I am both strong and courageous by him alone. And man, I curse the demon of deafness with the voice of the living God, with the heart of the living God. And that's when things happen. That's when things happen. Jesus, so often you read in the scriptures, being moved with compassion, Mark 141. He healed the leper. The Bible says in the last stages, man, the leper says, I know you can, but do you want to? And Jesus didn't even say anything. He put his hand in the midst of the leprosy. Became one with it. He's letting him know, man, I love you so much. When you hurt, I hurt. When you're diseased, it's like I am. And it causes my heart to be aroused, to be elicited, to come forth. The zeal within me that caused me to clean out the temple is not cleaning out the leprosy, cleaning out the paralysis, cleaning out the, the familiar sin, cleaning out the unforgiveness, cleaning out the lack of dieselgoodness and lukewarmness. This is praying through the heart of God. Declaring through the heart of God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Simakotai. Amakoso. Imotai. Amatoto. Lord says, I'm raising up teachers in my body, pastors of my own heart, fivefold ministry. To teach of my heart. Not to teach formulas. Not to manipulate to get my church to do this. But to teach of my heart. That my children just don't see but perceive my heart. They just don't know and say I know but understand who I really am to them. Who I really am to them. For the Lord says... When you see of my heart, faith will come. When you know of my heart, you will know it's my will to deliver you and make you whole, no matter what the condition. Whether well, it's paralysis in a wheelchair, from a, someone in a coma, someone from a, paralysis from a stroke, an accident. It doesn't matter for my zeal, my virtue, my heart. The power of my virtue cannot be withstood. And this will cause you to enter in to faith in me. Jesus. Jesus, I'm seeing someone in a wheelchair. I receive grace to you. I receive say above to you even now, going into you and breaking the paralysis through his jealous love, cleaning out the paralysis as he did the temple. Jesus, 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 we only have a few minutes left. But even as the Lord spoke, 
And I believe it was him. I truly do. I know it was. Let's focus on the heart of God. Man, I got to go here to Psalm 24. It's so quick. Man, time goes so quick. I, I, need, I need you to know, Sehoboth is the name that David swore by. Uh, you know, Goliath said, I come to you in the name of Dagon, his God. David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Sahabath. And guess who won? Psalm 24. Psalm 22 is the, the pain of redemption. Psalm 23 is the life that God wants to give us. Psalm 24 is, is really talks about the, the, the church that will become glorious before the, the, his second coming. It says in verses, this is the generation of them that seek me. Are you seeking him to seek his face? Not his hand, but his face. We're in Psalm 24, 6. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Come on, lift up your heads. Don't let them hang down. Woo, the virtue is not thee. The kingdom is in at hand. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Your eyes, your ears. Lift it up, you everlasting doors. That's those who have interceded prior to you and paid a price. And the king of glory. What have we been talking about? We've been talking about the heart of God, the virtue of God, the glory of God, and the king of glory will come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord's strong and mighty. He's not intimidated by some stupid devil or by some cancer or anything else or your familiar sin. The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Even lift them up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts, Yahweh Sahabath. He is the King of glory. Salah, meaning say it over and over and over again. God is heartbroken when you're harmed, when you're in a place of pain. He's heartbroken. And Brima Ma'ahi is heartbroken. And out of his heart that is broken for you, he died to have a legal right to come to you as Seobath, as Father God, as Savior and Lord, as the Spirit of life. And he will come. Some, someone says to me, how do you know he'll heal? How do you know he'll come? Because he can't deny his heart. He's not a liar. He cannot deny who he is. And who he is to you and I. He is the God that healeth us. He is the God that forgiveth us. Psalm 103 heals all of our disease, forgives us of all our iniquities. He's the God who gives us victory. He's the God that has given us this book that we might enter in to seeing his heart, worshiping him, partaking of his heart, and speaking unto the Spirit of God, manifesting. The fire within his heart. The glory of the king of kings. The king of glory. So our life is filled with joy unspeakable. Full of glory. Through the king of glory. Yahweh. Say about